Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to worship here on such a dull and miserable morning outside. I hope you find warmth and fellowship here with us. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Vivian and I'm the session clerk here in Kirkgate. It occurred to me last week that some of you might wonder who was out doing the intimations. Before I say anything else, I'd like to welcome Andy Black this morning, who's here to lead us in worship. No stranger to us, Andy but we're looking forward to having you at this side of the communion table rather than part of the congregation. The midweek Thursday service will be on as usual at half past ten and the Sunday school is also on this morning. Next Sunday, Christmas Eve, we'll be holding our morning service at the normal time of 10.45. We'll be having tea and coffee after the service next week. So if you could remember to allow yourself a wee bit extra time to stay on for some fellowship through in the hall, that would be good. This afternoon there's a service of Lessons and Carols in St Cuthbert's at half past three. And next Sunday, Christmas Eve, there's also a watch night service in Park Church in Ardrossan at half past eleven. On Christmas Day itself, we'll be having a short family service in Kirkgate, but it's going to be at 10.30 next uh, on Christmas Day. So please don't come at 10.45. Please get here at 10.30 if you want to come along. You'll be very welcome to join us then. Care and Share Lunch had their Christmas lunch on Friday, and I believe it was a very full and busy occasion but enjoyed by all those who were there and Chana will be on again this Friday at half past 12. Musical Memories with Mary will be held in the church hall on Wednesday the 27th of December at two o'clock so that's a wee date for your diary after Christmas. May Harvey's funeral will take place on Tuesday of this week so Tuesday the 19th 12.15 here in the church and half past one at Holmesford Bridge. And I would ask that you continue to remember me as friends and family in your prayers. The last thing I have to say is about the meeting that was held on Wednesday night. You'll all be aware that there was a meeting of the three congregations to discuss a three-way basis for union. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way we would have liked. And although we were in favour of the three-way union, as were the North Parish people, Park Church have voted against it. So for the moment, we're back at square one. We don't know what's happening. It's very unsettling for everyone, and it's very unsettling too for Nigel. And I would ask that you remember Nigel and his family in your prayers. You'll hear more in due course. I believe the Presbytery are going to visit in February. But that's just what I've heard. Thank you. Thanks, Vivian. Good morning, everybody. It is really strange to be at this side of the communion table rather than sitting among you folk. Uh, So it's really a privilege to be able to come and share worship here in Kirkgate. The psalmist writes these words. Fling wide the gates, open the ancient doors, And the great king will come in. Who is this great king? The triumphant Lord. He is the great king. We worship God. We sing to his praise from the hymn book 313. See in yonder manger low.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we gather today this Advent Sunday to worship and praise you in prayer and song. We lift up our hearts to you in joy and expectation as we look forward to the coming of your Son, the light of the world, as he comes amongst us. We often forget that without your Spirit at work in us, we would have so much less. We would not have the example of your Son, the Good Shepherd, to guide us as we try to follow your way, a way of kindness, compassion, trust and faithfulness. Help us to share your message of service and love for all people at home and in the greater world. We thank you for the many gifts with which you surround us, family and friends, our church family, and the community which we try to serve. We thank you that the love and compassion that you have given us, we will try to pass on. We thank the people who show that love as they care for the sick, the distressed, the lost and the homeless. Those who do your work in a world of war, hunger, sickness and division. We thank you that you are there to turn to for help and unconditional love, even when we falter and forget how you would have us live. As we look towards the coming of your Son, we thank you for the strength, comfort and inner peace that we can find in this your quiet place. And as we look forward towards the coming of your beloved Son, we await his birth with joy and thankfulness. And now we pray in the words that he taught so long ago, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. How is everybody this morning? Everybody? You don't sound it. <laughs> Let me ask that. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah. Right. We get excited. One thing I've noticed. See, when you get old, you forget things. <laughs> I'm getting old because I just noticed we've got the Advent wreath here and the candles have to be lit. Who normally lights them? Do we get somebody up to do that? Right. Who's going to come and help me? Up you come. How do you work these things? That's the other thing. <laughs> ah, there we go. Right. Can you manage? Right, I need to lift you up. Come on. Lift you up? No? Right, okay. <laughs> Don't. It was about two minutes ago. I'm holding it. I'm holding it. This could be a long service. Anybody can match it? 
Right, Stuart, see if, if you get any. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Oh, well done. <laughs> right. Let's see. That cat's dulled over. Right, leave it. Right, Vivian, come up. You can take over and light three candles. No four candles, but three candles. See? We should either get Stuart to do it. Yeah. Must be nearly empty. Did anybody get a lighter or matches? <laughs> <laughs> it worked straight away the first time. I know, it's, I think it must be nearly empty. Stuart, you look as if you're coming over here. One like the big one, dear, and the big one. Wait a minute. This one? That one. Yeah, we can. Oh. Right, we're going to have to. Hey, Rosie, can you lift this up? Yeah. Just be careful. Yeah. <gasps> I'm, I'm keeping out the road. Lift it up. Hey, well done. <laughs> right, that's us. Give us give a clap. Well done. Well done. See, these grown-ups are absolutely useless, I'm telling you. But good to see you all this morning. Does everybody get excited? Well, how many more weeks have we got before the big day? How many weeks have we got? One more Sunday and then the big day. Who's hoping to get presents in Christmas? Right, okay. Right. It's a very special time of the year because a lot of things are different. What do we have in the church that we don't normally have in the church? Candles. What else do we have? Christmas tree. On the Christmas tree? Lights. Bobbles. Christmas lights, absolutely. What else do we normally look forward to in Christmas Day? Presents? We look... The star, absolutely, yeah. And also, the, I like the pulpit for that's very Christmassy as well. What about eating? Do you like turkey? Who, who's looking forward to a turkey dinner? I'll be in the kitchen all morning, I'm telling you. If you believe that, you'll believe anything. Um, let me just, so, Christmas is loaded with all these things that, that, that we celebrate with. But I want to tell you a story. It's about a wee boy who always wanted to see the circus. And then he read in a poster in a shop the circus was coming to his town. And it cost £2 to get in. So he went to his dad and said, Dad, could you give me £2 so I can go to the circus? And his dad said, Well, if you help about the house, cut the grass, help with the dishes, do whatever. I'll give you money to go to the circus. So he did all his household duties and he got the two pounds. And off he headed down the town the day the circus came to town. And there was a big parade. And there was the acrobats, there were the clowns, and at that time there were animals and he wanted to see the elephants. So there were all sorts of animals, lions, and then the elephants. And he was absolutely thrilled 
at seeing all of this. Then the ringmaster came at the very end, and he went up to the ringmaster and gave the ringmaster two pounds and said, thanks very much. And he went home and he said to his dad what he had witnessed. And his dad says, but that wasn't the circus. That was the parade. You missed out in the main event. And you know something, there's a real danger at Christmas time that we miss out on the real event. We get so caught up with the preparations and the good things. Trees, lights, Christmas cards, all of that are smashing. But that's not what Christmas is really all about. The main event happened on a Bethlehem manger in a stable when a baby was born. So on Christmas Day, we really celebrate whose birthday? Jesus' birthday. That's when he was born. So I would hope all of us, amid all the excitement of getting presents and all the excitement of Christmas, we don't forget the main event. We allow Jesus to be at the very centre of all that we do. Jesus at the very centre of our life, not just in Christmas Day, but every day of our life. If we allow him to be at the centre of our life, we find one who's an ever-present friend, one who's always going to be with us through every experience of our life to help us, to guide us, to look after us. So Christmas time, magical. But let's not miss the main event. Keep Jesus at the very, very centre of all that we celebrate at Christmas time. Let's have a prayer. Lord Jesus, we pray that we won't get so caught up in the celebrations that we miss the real meaning of Christmas. You're coming among us. In your name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to continue in our praise 310. See him lying in a bed of straw.
Now we're going to hear from God's Word. The reading is from Luke chapter 2, verse, sorry, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. The birth of Jesus. At that time, the Emperor Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the Roman Empire. When this first census took place, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone then went to register himself, each to his own town. Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, the birthplace of King David. Joseph went there because he was a descendant of David. He went to register with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him. She was pregnant, and while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have her baby. She gave birth to her first son, wrapped him in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger. There was no room for them to stay in the inn. There were some shepherds in that part of the country who were spreading the night, spending the night in the fields, taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. They were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I am here with good news for you which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day in David's town, your Saviour was born, Christ the Lord, and this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angels singing praises to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and saw the baby lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw him, they told them what the angel had said about the child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. The shepherds went back, singing praises to God for all they had heard and seen. It had been just as the angel had told them. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading from his word.
Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This morning my text can be found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, at verse 10, where we read these well-known words spoken by the angels to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. I am here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. The story of Christmas, as we heard it read from Luke's Gospel, is simple and clear, and I'm sure is very well known to all of us. And since it is in fact our only source of information about the birth of Christ, I believe the author was God-inspired to write of this event. That being the case, what then can we possibly say that has not already been said about this amazing event that took place on that first Christmas by others throughout the ages? Is it possible for any preacher to say anything new about Christmas? Or even to say something old presented in a new way? Can you hear the panic in my voice? (laughs) Well, here goes. I would like us to consider two questions. One about the mystery of the Christmas message and the other about its meaning in your life and in mine. There is the why of the incarnation, the why of Christmas. This question attempts to get behind the well-known narrative of Christ's birth as the Son of Man. Most of us already know the background as well as the story. We have heard this description of Jesus And our Christian faith assures us that he is indeed the Son of God, born on earth of a human mother. But why? Why is a good question. Children ask it all the time. A wise man once wrote that all philosophy begins with wonder. And the same can be said for science and theology as well. Any process that makes human think begins with wondering why something happens. So why did Christmas happen? Why is the incarnation so important for us? Why did God get involved with the affairs of men and women? Why did the Word become flesh and dwell among us? It is to be said there are several answers to these questions. However, I believe the most profound answer is simply this. God willed it to be so. These words of Jesus tell us why he came into the world. I came to do the will of my Father. Behold, I come to do your will, O God, so says the writer of the letter to the Hebrews. God so loved the world that he gave 
his only begotten son. So writes John in his gospel. These are good and true answers. There is another way of putting it in the age-old words of the Nicene Creed. For us men, that is for all of humanity, and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and was made man. There it is. For our salvation. That was the will of God which Christ came to accomplish. Salvation. That was the gift of God's love in giving the world his son. Salvation. That was at the very heart of the good news of great joy for all people. The incredible truth is that a saviour had been born. Salvation is good news. And the gospel, the good news par excellence is this. Because Christ has come, he makes available salvation to all who are prepared to accept him as their saviour. This leads us to our second question. What is the meaning of Christmas for our lives? What are the consequences that will follow from knowing and believing and understanding that Christ came to bring salvation to our world, to me and to you? We can sum up this with another one of those questions frequently used by children. So, attitude. A so such delivered that way implies a so what? As in, what's it got to do with me? Well, to begin with, if our salvation is so important to God that he was willing to give his only begotten son, if it is so important that the son of God took on our humanity with all its consequences, then this salvation ought to be a top priority in our own personal life as well. It should be our highest priority. Think about it. Surely eternal salvation, which is the endless happiness and joy of sharing God's life, which is that fullness of life, that abundant life, we can know and experience here and now, and which will continue in heaven. Surely this must be something far more valuable and far more important than all the other things we believe will give us real meaning, real purpose for our life. There is an important truth regarding this salvation. This salvation is a gift of God. Bought so dearly, we ought to take the trouble of reaching out to accept that gift. Isn't it truly incredible to know that God reaches out to us? And that is the simple message of Christmas. The simple message of the incarnation, of the coming of Christ to earth as a man. All we are asked to do is to reach out to God and receive what he holds out to us. If we don't reach out and take it from him, this gift will never be ours. God offers us salvation in Christ. 
He isn't going to twist our arm and make us take it. So how do we reach out and receive God's great gift of salvation? Well, we do so simply by faith, motivated by love. Remember this, Jesus is God's supreme and ultimate revelation of himself. Through Jesus, we see God reaching out to us. Faith is our human response, reaching out to meet God's outstretched hand. So we are asked to reach out and touch the hand of God, to accept his precious gift, Jesus, with our faith, a faith that believes in salvation and accepts it totally. A faith that accepts Jesus as our own personal saviour, which brings to us that gladness and joy promised by the angels on that first Christmas. There is a sort of modern parable that might help illustrate this particular truth. A person may have a fortune made over to them and on deposit for them in a bank or some other financial institution. That person now has a possibility of living a millionaire lifestyle. Yet that same person could continue to live in poverty if they fail to go and make use of their wealth. In the same way, how can we draw on the wealth of salvation now made over to us, sitting on deposit, waiting for us to take it out and use it? We need to ask ourselves this question. How does our faith in the sense of knowledge and belief turn into faith in the sense of reaching out to draw on our salvation, which God so freely offers us in Christ, so that we reach out and use it in our day-to-day living? Again, there are several answers. Many of these point to the same features. Love God and keep his commandments. James in his letter comments on a kind of faith that is only sterile. A faith that says, yes, I believe, but does nothing about it. It never translates that faith into a Christian style of living. Among the many facets, the many components of a Christian lifestyle, there is one that is of special importance. And that is taking time out to build up a relationship with Jesus. You only get to know a person by spending time with him. In the same way, we can only get to know Jesus by spending time with him one-to-one. And we do this by meeting with him through setting apart time to meet him in his word, through the Bible through speaking and listening to him, through prayer. And also corporately through coming together with our fellow Christians in the worship and fellowship of the church. And especially when we come together and remind ourselves of Jesus' presence. And in his presence, we can begin to understand all that is coming among us and dying for us really means. When we do this, we will find the same Jesus whom the shepherds found at Bethlehem. Through the message of an angel, God revealed to them the birth of his son. 
But they had to make a response. They had to decide whether they would take the trouble of going to where the angel pointed to and find out if it was real. Luke tells us that some of the shepherds did exactly that. What he doesn't tell us whether they all went to Bethlehem to make contact with the baby Jesus. And I sometimes wonder if some of them believed the words of the angel without acting upon them, without going to Christ and his manger. Do some of the shepherds say they had work to do, or that it was far, too far for them to go, or that they just didn't have the time? What would you have said? What would you have done if you could have been one of that band of shepherds to whom the good news was proclaimed on that first Christmas night? That might well be a hypothetical question that doesn't really mean very much to us. But here is another question, one that does challenge us. What are we going to do about our response to God's love poured out upon us in Jesus this Christmas as we hear again the good news of the Saviour's birth proclaimed to us again? The answer lies within each one of us. Christ has been born into the world to offer us salvation. What are we going to do with his offer? My endless prayer is that we will reach out and gratefully receive it and so offer to God the worship and the service of our lives so that by our witness to the incredible truth of the Christ event, may we be prepared to take the wonderful message of his coming among us on that first Christmas and share it so that others might come and experience all that we know to be real and true, that they too might taste and see that the Lord is good, that they may find the real joy, the real peace, the real blessing of Christmas. Let us pray. Lord, as we hear again the events of Jesus coming into our world, our heart is filled with wonder and praise. As we understand the reason for his birth, death and resurrection, we rejoice in our salvation. Help us through a loving response to all that you give to us through Jesus to go and by our witness and service share this good news with others. And these things we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Again, to God's praise, we sing, O little town of Bethlehem. <laughs>
forgot the offering, honest. <laughs> we're going to do that now. We're going to worship God through our offering. Your offerings of money for the work of Christ Church will now be received. bring before God a prayer of thanksgiving, our prayers and concern for others, our prayers of intercession, along with the dedication of our offering. Let us all pray. Loving God, we thank you for this season of Christmas, for all it has meant to so many over the years, for all it continues to mean to us, and for all it will mean in generations yet to come. You have given us so much receive our praise. We thank you for carols old and new, for familiar and well-loved words of scripture, for all that speaks of your coming among us in Christ. We thank you for reunions with family and friends, for the spirit of giving and receiving, for the mood of goodwill and celebration. We thank you for all the good things we will enjoy Good food, good company, good fun. Loving God, help us in all of this to keep sight of the heart of Christmas, what it all really means, to celebrate the birth of the infant Christ, to worship him as joyfully and reverently as shepherds and wise men long ago, to welcome and follow him as faithfully as those who left everything to be his disciples. Loving God, hear us now as we pray for others. Lord Jesus Christ, born an outcast and refugee, in weakness and frailty, as we rejoice at this time, hear our prayers for all those who
who have no cause for celebration. We pray for the hungry and the homeless, the poor and the unemployed, the oppressed and the exploited, the lonely and the downhearted. We pray for the sick and the dying, the sorrowful and the bereaved, victims of violence and war, all whose lives have been shattered by tragedy and disaster. And we continue to pray for the situation in Israel and Gaza. Lord, there are so many things in our world that need to be brought before your throne of grace. Father, we know people in our own personal experience who need our prayers at this time. So we lift them before you in the silence of our hearts. Father, draw near to each one of them and may the knowledge of your loving presence bring a measure of comfort, strength and peace. Lord Jesus, you were born to set people free. Come again to our world, bringing reconciliation where there is division, comfort where there is sorrow, hope where there is despair and confidence where there is confusion. Lord, as Christmas approaches again, Reminding us of the greatest of Christmas gifts, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Receive from us these expressions of our love and bless both the gifts and those who bring them and use both to proclaim the good news of Christmas that the world might rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We close our time of worship. We turn again to CH4, 301. Hark! The Herald Angel Sing.
to love and to serve the Lord. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with each one of you and all whom you love this Christmas time and forevermore. Thank you.